Welcome to Deuteronomy study number 11. This is chapter 11, verses 1 through 32. Lord willing, we'll get through all 32 verses after we send out this hillbilly holla out to Samuel Vitorino. I, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it correctly, <laughs> but Brother Samuel, here's your hillbilly holla coming out from central Ohio, transplanted hillbilly here. And uh, we're glad to have you listening. And uh, it's uh, just another opportunity for us to all get together around the King James Bible. That's the point of this study, the words of that book. And uh, we always like to start off with a word of prayer, asking the author for his help as we study. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. I hope that everyone listening is sure of their salvation. As 1 John 5.13 says, we may know that we have eternal life by believing on the name of the Son of God. And we thank you for Jesus who died for our sins, shedding his blood in death on the cross, rising from the dead, conquering sin and death, and then sending his Holy Spirit to indwell each one of us as believers to help us as we study your word. And so we ask for his help. We thank you and pray these things to the Father, in the name of the Son, by the Spirit, the blessed Holy Trinity, and offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we pick up where we left off in chapter 10. You see that because uh, chapter 11 starts in verse 1 with the word therefore. And always remember what precedes the word therefore tells you why this is there. What is it therefore? <laughs> um, verse 10 closed um, saying in its closing words there verse 22 and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. That's all there was to it. God has chosen and blessed Israel, not because they're a wonderful uh, people in mass, um, meaning by and large. It's because of his word he gave to Abraham, then to Isaac, then to Jacob, promising to bless them and their offspring, their seed. Now, not every Jew will be in heaven. Um, this was specifically to those who are of the Jewish bloodline, the Hebrews, going back to Abraham through Isaac and Jacob, and then originates with one of the patriarchs, the twelve tribes. Um, but it was for those who were believers among that crowd. And so, as the hymn says, trust and obey, for there's no other, no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And that's what the message here is. Um, the Old Testament Jew would have sang it maybe by saying, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Israel but to trust and obey. Christ hadn't come yet at this point. Um, and God will now speak to his eyewitnesses. 
the adults who have seen his mighty works in verse 2 and know ye this day for I speak not with your children which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God his greatness his mighty hand and his stretched out arm um, so what and it goes on to say and verse 3 and his miracles and his acts um, ACTS which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt and unto all his land he continues let's read verse 4 and what he did unto the army of Egypt unto their horses and to their chariots how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day so the entire adult nation of Israel alive at this point has seen the miraculous hand of God imagine that means that they were kids when this stuff happened 40 years ago. They were at least young people. Um, can you imagine being a kid and seeing uh, rebellious sinners swallowed alive um, in, when they rebelled against God? And you knew it was God doing it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, was that just a random sinkhole? <laughs> um, and then people say, well, I don't believe God would do such a thing. Well, let's read about it, verses 5 through 7. And what he did unto you in the wilderness, until ye came unto this place. Verse 6, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the son of Reuben. How the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households, and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. Well, I don't believe in a God who would do such a thing. Well, that just means you're stupid. Uh, choosing to pretend he isn't God just because you don't like something he does, get over yourself. I'll guarantee you that uh, whatever it is you have a hang-up with God, he knows best. And you're ignorant, and that's why you don't understand and you don't agree with him. You submit to him and his will because he is omniscient and you are not. Um, but these people were eyewitnesses to all these amazing things that happened. In verse 7, he says, But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. So they're without excuse. And if we're honest, um, and we will be, every one of us will be honest, if not now, we will be on Judgment Day, that God has made his existence plainly clear, and his goodness is known, but it must be received by faith in his Son, Jesus Christ, and that gospel that we mention and preach uh, to all the lost. So now, there's another therefore in verse 8. What is verse 8 and on therefore, based on what we already just read? Um, therefore, shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it. Verse 9, and that ye may prolong your days in the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. This is a repeated promise to Israel. It is not specifically or directly a promise to Christians in this dispensation. Uh, we see this repeatedly in the Old Testament, a promise of land on this earth, a place specified with borders and everything we'll talk about in a minute. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2, we see these kind of promises like that. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. 
we're under no guarantee that if we live right, we'll live to a ripe old age as Christians. There are a lot of uh, wonderful Christian people who die young. Um, the apostles didn't live to ripe old age with one exception who proved the rule, and that's the Apostle John. It's believed he lived to be about 105 or maybe a little older. The rest of them died younger and uh, were martyrs. Of course, sin can cut your life short and uh, in this dispensation. Um, and righteous living can prolong our lives in very practical ways. You know, if you choose to uh, not drink as compared to being a regular drinker, especially if you sin and get drunk all the time, there's a big difference in health there. Um, people like Rush Limbaugh um, died of lung cancer. Um, he's a lifelong cigar smoker, and he'd have a room filled with secondhand smoke while he was working, and, and then after hours, he just guy was always around cigar smoke. And that probably cut his life short. But then there's preachers. I know Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel. Um, he died. He was, I think, around 80, so he wasn't young, but he died of lung cancer and never smoked a cigarette or anything his entire life. Um, so that's just, in this dispensation, it is a lot different. It just is. And if you deny that, you're living in, as they say, den denial is not just a river in Egypt. Um, but uh, things like land definitely are not promised to us as believers. The church isn't promised some land. We are promised a city, New Jerusalem. And there's nothing wrong with songs that use that in a symbolic sense and everything. You know, I'm bound for the promised land and, um, you know, Canaan land is on its way or that kind of... There's a great songs. There's nothing wrong with it as long as you understand it's, it's spiritual. It's not a literal physical land promise on the earth. As this continues, verses 10 and 11, For the land, whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt, from whence ye came out, where there so, thou sowest thy seed, and waterest, waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. Verse 11, But the land, see that over and over, land, whither ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. Uh, you're going to see it over and over land land it, that is not our promise we're not promised land um, and so if there's one major way that we know that the church in Israel are not the same is, is in the promises given um, and uh, obviously we didn't come out of a literal Egypt I don't know anybody I'm sure there are some people who could say they were born in Egypt and then they got saved at some point but uh, I've never met a single Christian who came out of Egypt, literally. But we all, when we're saved, are called to come out of Egypt because Egypt is a type or shadow of the world. But this is literal here. These people came out of the nation, the, the borders of the country of Egypt, into the Negev and up on into land. <laughs> and um, our promise, as I said, is for the next life. It's for a promised city. The mother of us all, Paul says, the new Jerusalem. Israel and the church are not the same and our promises are not the same. But listen to this next verse and let it sink in as Moses describes how much God cares about that particular piece of land over there. In Israel. And by the way, we have a map. Um, if you go online, um, I have a printed out copy here that I love to look at every once in a while. It shows the borders. 
um, from the Nile, the river of Egypt, all the way over to the Euphrates, all the way uh, diagonal up to the border of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and then the southern border goes beyond the Negev into Saudi Arabia, and uh, all of modern Jordan and most of modern Syria, all of modern Lebanon, half of modern Egypt. That's an amazing thing. That's what these borders are uh, going to show here and, uh, and elsewhere in Scripture. Um, but what's God say about that land? Verse 11. But the, I mean, verse 12, I'm sorry. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. All of you Jew haters and anti-Zionists can just lump it. That is God's land to give to whomsoever he pleases. He has promised it to the Jews. Yes, most have uh, uh, forfeited their inheritance with their wickedness and sin. But at the end of the tribulation, a third of the Jews alive after the rapture will go in and inherit this land permanently with King Jesus ruling over them. And that's going to happen whether you like it or not. Um, verses 13 through 15 continue, And it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And verse 15, And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Um, when Israel would collectively follow God's commandments, they'd experience this. It'd be like Garden of Eden on earth. And uh, they especially got a real good dose of this under King David all the way up to the end of the life of King Solomon. Um, verses 16 and 17 continue, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Verse 17, And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up heaven that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. That's exactly what happened. As we'll see, uh, Lord willing, if we continue this study, if the Lord leaves us, all of us here, leaves me here, allows us to continue to use the <laughs> internet and radio and so forth. But after the death of Joshua, um, for the duration of the book of Judges, um, with short intervals intervals of uh, revival and reprieve every once in a while. Um, we see this. Actually, if you take the last few verses, we see this up and down. It goes from one extreme to the other. God's blessing to God's chastisement. All because of faithfulness. Then prosperity comes and they nosedive into apostasy. But then um, uh, at the end of the life of Solomon, it'll go that way again. After the book of Judges, in comes Saul, which then ushers in the King David's rule, and then King Solomon. And right up to the end of King Solomon's rule, it's really a wonderful uh, golden age for Israel. Uh, you can read it sometime on your own, though. First, uh, First Kings 11, verses 1 through 12. Um, it gets ugly. God's word is true. And Solomon brought on God's chastisement and then his son took the throne and God split the kingdom and so forth and it's the rest of the uh, story there in 2nd Kings and uh, we'll 
as I said, Lord willing, get into all that. We don't have time for it all here. But again, verse 17 tells us why verse 18 is there. What's the first word of verse 18? Therefore, based on what we just read, shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, um, so there's debate over whether which uh, this is literal. I don't believe that they literally were supposed to put something between their eyes, but the Orthodox Jew has a box, and they put scriptures from the Torah, and they roll it up, and they put it inside the box, and they strap it to their head <laughs> in literal obedience uh, to this. And uh, they have it on their wrist and their hand, too. They wrap it around they, with a leather strap. Um, I believe this one verse here is speaking um, spiritually that we just always have supposed to have the scripture like it always at the forefront of our minds and in front of us in a sense um, but as we see I think there's literally a place for first of all Bible memorization would produce that effect in a spiritual sense but then there's Bible displays um, you know uh, every parent um, was to have a Bible homeschool even if your kids went off to school somewhere, if you, even if you went to the public schools or private schools or whatever, and re and learned reading, writing, and arithmetic, when you came home, it was Bible school. Um, look at verse 19, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And um, I tried to talk to my girls, and uh, Jenny, when I got married, and her two boys, we we talked to them as much as we could about the scripture um, but you know when they become teenagers they get busy and it's harder to get everybody together but we used to sit around and read the Bible together and pray together but um, uh, you know once they become teenagers they start to make their own decisions and everything so really up to at least up through 12 or 13 take advantage of that time um, it's a less busy time and a time where you can have greater influence and you know um, I've never met a parent who thought they talked about the Bible too much with their children I'm sure there might have been some radicals out there again exceptions that prove the rule but the home was supposed to be like a Bible school a lot of the time and uh, verse 20 says and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates we have uh, Bible verses in various forms all over our home all over the church building if you come to BBF um, and absolutely uh, I believe that this was to be literally obeyed I have bumper stickers on my car wear t-shirts wear the hats all that stuff all the things people call you a Jesus freak make fun of you now here's the thing don't I was getting ready to say mock you make sure they're mocking you because of that not because you're a hypocrite you're in in um, inconsistent you're you're you know you live a double life and that sort of thing that brings shame and reproach to the Lord but if you can maintain your testimony and put the Word of God all over the place then I'm all for it but we must continue verses 22 and uh, 23 I believe oh no I left off a uh, see Verse 21, that your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. And again, that's a promise 
for those in the land. It's not necessarily a promise for us. We're promised eternal life, and that's all that should matter. Uh, but again, verses 22 and 23, For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, Verse 23, Then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. We've talked about this before. The Palestinians cry about having the land stolen from them. It belonged to Israel before them. There's really no such thing as a Palestinian people. They're made up of Jordanians, Syrians, Egyptians, Arabians, and then they're intermixing and everything. But uh, it's just the fact God gets fed up with the people. He evicts them. And he evicted Israel. Now he's bringing them back home. Uh, the Europeans came to America and evicted the Native Americans, as they're called, that were here when Columbus showed up. They had come and evicted the people here before them. The right of conquest. It's something to keep in mind. It's a fact of human history. And uh, that's basically established here uh, with Israel. But we must continue. Verse 24. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness of, and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Uh, verse 25, There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he hath said to you. And as I said, go to our website, click under Resources, Charts and Maps, and just look for what's called the Border Map of Israel, and get yourself a copy of that, download it, save it to your hard drive. It's a great uh, source. I'll show you that so that we can move on and continue reading. Verses 26 through 28. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. Verse 28. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And we'll see that they, uh, uh, well, people who replace Israel with the church, <laughs> just take note of the fact they want all the promises, but they don't want the curses. <laughs> uh, but uh, just a cursory reading of the promises and curses, as we've shown, demonstrate that these are not promises to church, uh, to the church at all. And so we pick up verse 29 and 30, and it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Um, those are two real mountains that they're going to come to, uh, and we'll see in a minute under Joshua. Uh, verse 30, Are they not on the other side of Jordan? He's pointing to where they're located. By the way, where the sun goeth down, in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the Champagne over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Mora. Um, that's, these are literal mountains that you're going to see. Uh, we're going to come to it if we are still here and we're studying Joshua next after Deuteronomy. And in chapter 8, we'll see this literally takes place just as God commanded. And Lord willing, we'll cover that. Uh, now as we close with marching orders. He says, verse 31, For ye shall pass over Jordan to go in, to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein. Verse 32, 
and ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. Israel will succeed to some extent under Joshua. Um, the book of Judges, though, starts out by pointing out that they didn't fully complete the requirements. They didn't take all the land. At no point has Israel ever held all the land promised to them. That's another reason we know it's a future promise. Um, so they'll fail to fully fulfill their um, these commandments and take the land the way they're supposed to. As we read uh, from Joshua to Second Kings, we'll read the entire history of Israel from the death of Moses to the Babylonian captivity around 586 B.C. And over and over, God will be patient, long-suffering, Israel will get right with God and begin enjoying his blessing, but with prosperity, the majority would then go into sin and apostasy, so God would lift his blessings and chastise the nation, who would eventually repent, and then there'd be this cycle all over again. Until finally, after they return to Babylon from the captivity, and then there's about 400 years of silence from the prophets, Jesus shows up, and apostasy results again. They reject their Messiah and kill him. 70 AD, God drives them out of the land and did until recently in 1948 they became a nation again, setting the stage for the rapture and return of Jesus Christ. And just by understanding what we've just discussed, you have a better grasp of the Bible than most people who have ever lived. That's just a fact. So with that, we'll continue our studies, Lord willing, with Deuteronomy 12 next time.